Welcome to the Jam Yearbook. I'm Jim. And I'm Matt. We're here to take you on a journey through the years as we explore the music in our lifetime and the impact it's had on us and the world we've lived in. Welcome to version 2012. Yeah, here we are. First and foremost, Matt, I think we need to take a minute and thank everyone for listening. We've done a few episodes now, and it's been amazing to get great comments and feedback from everyone. Of course. I'm new to this and I didn't know what to expect, but yeah, the positive feedback we've gotten is greatly appreciated. We can't thank everyone enough for the positivity and help in spreading the word. Yeah. Before we start, just a mention of a couple of people we lost who had a huge influence in music. First, there was the one and only Whitney Houston. She died in an untimely manner. She was so huge in her peak. And I don't know if she was ever going to make a comeback by this time in her career, but she was an artist who deserved that one-of-a-kind style. Yeah, I don't have much to add here. As we go on, we're going to find that this is not a unique or new story. Incredibly talented celebrity on a self-destructive path. It's sad that it happened to someone who appeared to be one of the most wholesome people. Yeah, she did. She did. At one point in her career, at least. Oh, yeah. And then the other one that affected me quite personally, and I think yourself as well, it was Adam Yock, better known as MCA from the Beastie Boys. He died in 2012. They released an album a year before, and it was a lot of fun. I think I remember sending you a link to it on some kind of streaming media. We yeah. were using. <laughs> <laughs> no, MySpace was gone. It was probably Facebook at that point, but I remember sharing yep. it with you. I'd followed them through four decades, and I wasn't ready to be told that this was the end of their music. Uh, no one was. This one really sucked. He seemed to have a positive impact on everyone around him. Maybe leaving the world before your time helps the message sink in. Yeah, I hope it does. I really do. All right. So before we get to the music, version 2012, are you ready for this, Matt? Of course. It's like cramming for an exam, but that's um, that's an old habit. It's going to die hard. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you picked this year, so I'm curious about what your thoughts were going into it. Uh, really, initially, the motivation was to burn out another year in the 2000s. <laughs> right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because uh, we're going to get into years where music's a little unfamiliar, and it might be a little tricky for us. And much like 2002, I didn't think I would be emotionally attached to much of what was going on in 2012. But as usual, I was wrong. <laughs> Not as much to say as like 1980 or oh, some yeah. of those years in the 70s and 80s where we're going to find deep connections to but there was definitely quite a bit i was into mm -hmm. so 1971 the first episode um we had a history lesson 1986 1980 there was a lot i remembered so well that i only had to skim through a lot of it and i had time to find new stuff 2002 i was in limbo and had to really <laughs> dive in to remember what i was listening to and what i liked and if it kind of held true going forward and when I dove in, I realized the overlapping of the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s that was happening. Ooh, with multiple decades vying for attention, I felt the need to figure out the map of what was going on. <laughs> I, I hit on this in our first show in 71. I find it amazing taking a bird's eye view at all the different styles of music you can listen to in any given year. I think it's funny you say a map of what's going on because when we get to the end of doing this show and we finish all of the years in our lifetime, we'll go from here to there to here to there. And it's going to look like one of the worst crime scene boards you've ever seen. <laughs> Red but, yarn everywhere. I, I'm happy with this. I, I think I've told you in the past that, you know, the good thing is I don't obsess over artists. So I'm not always looking back at who's done what and who needs to be here now. If some band or somebody out there has a good song, cool. It's a good song. 
but I don't see any reason why we should bring up every album of an artist that, you know, I generally enjoy if it really isn't something that we were into in that year and that time. Yeah, I, I get that. And I think this is where I might struggle a little bit, you know, cause I tend to not care so much how music impacted any year on a large scale. It's, it's kind of more of a selfish thing. I don't really care what top selling album or single is past a certain age. I don't care how many weeks a song spent at number one, unless it's an impressive amount of time. Um, I care about how it affected me. If we all share the same experiences or views in life, then we don't have anything to learn from each other. The highlight for me doing the show is digging into something you mentioned that I hadn't heard yet. Th that is how I love music impacting my life. It's a, it's always going to be on a personal level. Yeah. I do think that's one of the best things about doing this show is that part of it is researching the music, looking through that year, but also surprising each other with, Hey Matt, listen to this song. Hey Jim, listen oh, yeah. to this song. And that's why we're here. And that's why we're doing this. We have our five, we have the poll. We're trying to share everything with everyone. And it comes along song by song, year by year. And sometimes we wind up in years like 2012. <laughs> and I'm sure there are more of them to come. But when there's a song that I like, I like that song. I absolutely agree that if it's popular, it's probably going to be overplayed. And I'm probably mm -hmm. going to be fatigued by hearing it. But I'm not going to automatically start hating on it just because it became a hit. It, Matt, come on. I'm the pop guy between us. And mm -hmm. pop pop probably means being overplayed. It's popular for a reason. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I shun pop music. And as the show goes on, you'll find there are plenty of reasons why I shun <laughs> pop music. You know, it, it always seems like always it's always in that mode of, okay, what's next? On to the next. There's a constant buildup, teardown cycle of artists, which can be annoying. The machine is going to overexpose an artist until people are sick of hearing about them and then tear that down, build up somebody else. At times it feels like the only thing that satisfies the machine is one hit wonders. It, it can maybe be more work finding them, but less work in having to prop up stars over a long period of time. Uh -huh. um, hit quick, on to the next. And that in celebrity worship sickens me. So, <laughs> but I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of time to do that as the shows wear on. I'm sure there'll be plenty of soapbox <laughs> ranting from Matt. But okay. So we talk a little bit about life and what's going on. And here we are. We've moved 10 years into the future. We're not kids anymore. We're not, you know, just getting into our adult lives as we were in 2002. It's 2012. How are you living? Oh, that's, that's another tricky aspect of the show is putting yourself <laughs> back, back. It's like, oh, wait a second. It's, it's almost like I have to remember life as an, okay, what grade are my kids in? Exactly. And then I can yeah. kind of start piecing everything together. Um, You know, here they're, they're 10 and seven. I'm pretty much in autopilot mode every day. There's so much going on, working, coaching games every weekend. It's not just doing the thing. It's all that leads up to it. It can be all consuming. And like every parent, I had those moments of, will this ever end to now missing <laughs> all those times and regretting that I didn't do more. So if anyone listening out there is just starting a family, always do more. You'll always regret doing less. Ah, oh, that's definitely great advice. Not drinking less. No, doing no. Less. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this was a life-changing year for you too. This isn't moving a hundred miles away. This is a big, big change. Was the music landscape a huge, immediate culture shock? I came over here in September 2011. And 2012, you know, it was like no year other for me. Bang on from the start, 
I was a DJ karaoke host, you know, pop guy, Jim, in a small pub in Motherwell, Scotland on New Year's Eve. As the year began, I worked for this company for probably another three or four months and then became a manager at the biggest pub in Glasgow, working with a large staff of younger adults going to university. So needless to say, this probably was the closest I had my finger on the pulse of what was going on in music in the world for the past 10 to 15 years. Funny thing though, preparing for this show, I realized how completely out of touch I was at this point with everything that was coming out in the States. Looking at everything, I saw that 2012 was also a pinnacle year for the folk rock festival bands. And I'm not going to knock any of these bands, really. I don't own any of their albums. But you couldn't attend a festival without seeing the Lumineers of Monster and Men or Mumford and Sons. There was a joke festival poster where the Lumineers was every festival band on it. It was <laughs> Lumineers underneath, Lumineers, 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 Lumineers. They were all over the place. They were all over the charts during that time. But out of those three, I think Mumford and Sons was the band I was respecting the most. I think I have one of their albums on vinyl out there. And they're more respected amongst my snob music friends. <laughs> I, I could see how any of these bands could be fun on any sunny summer day out in a field, just having a good time. I think the sound of it all it was still just a little samey samey for me from band to band. Yeah. And Mumford and Son seemed to be the band that kicked it all off. And then all the other bands, you know, got signed or people started taking notice of. I loved all three of those when they fir first hit, you know, the whole foot stomp clap. Hey, the, the, that shtick, it wasn't overplayed yet. And it was good to see that people playing instruments could still find popularity. No, that is cool. It wasn't all about being programmed into everything that was going on in music. And I think you'll find that I like the foot stomp clap thing. As we yeah. on. You know, it is good. So looking back on 2012, then, what are your some initial observations that you had? Okay. Brace yourself, everybody. It's going to happen from time to time. This is going to be a rant. Wait a minute. Didn't you just come off the pulpit? Oh, I took it back. Okay. <laughs> You'll find some shows. I don't, I just don't get off it. Here we go. <laughs> but, but, but no apologies here. A big contributor to me saying, screw the deep dive was looking at the genres. Cause I, I will kind of like over prepare on these shows. Like, just because I fool myself into thinking, oh, I need to know everything that's going on to really kind of zero <laughs> in. Yeah, it's it's dumb of me. Uh, but metal especially, it's getting away with genres. Who is in charge of that? If it, it feels like it won't stop until every band has its own genre name, the names have to include a word that sums up every influence someone hears in a band. And I'm sure this is going on outside of metal too. And why do so many metal or punk bands have the word core <laughs> for, for a word that means the central essence of something um we have singular bands getting categorized as hardcore punk rap core it, it could just be the list i was looking at but it was causing my brain to hurt <laughs> I, I was i was it was getting in the way of me building the map that i like building for myself yeah I, I have to admit the past 20 years or so metal has kind of puzzled me it wasn't until recently I peeled back the layers on the post 2000s metal. And I was surprised at how many of the bands still had real singers. Cause all I really heard popular amongst the metal guys that wanted to talk about it was the screamo stuff, which wasn't my thing. Yeah. And if it's not the screamo stuff, it's the low grumbly growl. 
I like yeah, to refer to as yeah. Muppet metal. Because <laughs> you get that. And sorry, I know, I know there's plenty of metal fans that dig that. I just don't. And have you ever seen the metal family tree? I can't remember the guy's name that came up with it. But but looking at the metal genre mess reminded me of the documentary Metal, A Headbanger's Journey. That, and that's where I first saw it. Maybe it's the guy that did that movie that did the uh, tree. I'm not Sam sure. Sam Dunn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Sam Dunn. Yeah, I think yeah. I, that could be the guy. He has a YouTube channel and he's got some earlier shows where this gets debated and gets updated and fine tuned. Um, I highly recommend it. It's a fascinating education. You know, g- getting back to your Screamo comment. The music isn't the only thing that goes into consideration. They go into singing style, lyrical content, clothes, hair, etc. It's defining different metal genres, almost like saying this band, this is your uniform. (laughs) This is the or the metals on your uniform that will define you. He has a guest and they interact with listeners since they did it live. It's an engaging conversation that I think even non-metal heads can appreciate. It's a good perspective from people who love metal. Is metal rock and roll cosplay? Oh, man. Oh, that's a tough question. Oh, boy. I could think of some people that might get pissed at us yeah, for saying that. <laughs> come on. I'm going to dress like Boba Fett every day. I'm going to dress like yeah. I love Slayer every day. Yeah, you know? I'm going to dress like a vampire. Ah, <laughs> this is probably why I listen to alternative rock or, or pop music or indie or whatever it is. If it has a core in any type of the description, I'm definitely going to prejudge that shit before I listen to it. And I, I'm I'm sorry, not sorry for that statement. <laughs> Yes. Uh, same here on the prejudge. Uh, I want to say that they wrap that core word in there because it sounds badass or something like it pervades a certain attitude that they <laughs> want their music. And I understand it helps people kind of narrow down what they're going to be listening to or what they could uh, be interested into. But like I try to listen to something like math core and I'm like, this should be prog, <laughs> but it's not yeah. prog. Because I'm still just counting to four. But, but anyway, Sam Dunn's channel, it's helping me wrap my head around it. But at the same time, that core word gets tossed around a little bit too much. Yeah. Well, back to the music of 2012 and maybe some type of core. I listened to the Deftones album, Hoi No Yakon. I think that's how it is uh, pronounced. The Deftones are one of those bands I've watched for a few steps back and kind of jealous of what my friends are getting out of them. However, you know, I've been diving into more metal and hearing this album, I came to the conclusion that most of these core bands are just kind of copying that Deftones guitar sound from the nineties. Yeah, they I are. Went back, I went back to those sounds and they've been consistent since then. It's not speed metal. That's for sure. But they like that, you know, emo scream sing vocal thing going on the sound dynamic of guitars and drums it's a lot like the model for a ton of these core bands that you're talking about hate mail can be redirected to jim now <laughs> <laughs> you're you're co-joining my rant uh metalheads take it seriously so i you know don't take it personally jim and i are just trying to figure things out with metal and try to find a way that we can relate and connect to it i i I couldn't get into the Deftones, though. I, I guess I'll get that hate mail back at me. <laughs> I was in a different listening space when they came around. I had some friends that went to the shows, and they really didn't have much good to say about them live. So maybe their studio albums are just a better representation of them. And I wouldn't classify these guys as metalheads either. So they probably got more than they bargained for. 
But I bet you if you looked at the metal tree, I bet you they've got a branch or a twig or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's an acorn, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you started to talk hey, about alt Hey, an acorn plants a new tree. Oh, well, and you said that a lot of bands are just aping on the Deftones, so maybe we're onto something there. Maybe we might be. <laughs> <laughs> you started talking about alt-rock, rock, pop, indie, and all of those lines, they're just as blurry. You know, there's like just the plain old rock tree, and all of these are branched off of that. At its heart, indie is what it says, though. It's independent of traditional record labels or production, but more so I think indie can almost be a term for something that isn't widely available or known um, and that can be outside of, you know, what record somebody could be on a big record label, but they're not getting a push. They're not getting the exposure or whatever. And, and once a band has an indie label, the fans won't let them shake it. They own that shit. <laughs> I, yeah. I think labels are less important to the bands. If they're in it for the right reasons, they just want to make music that speaks to them. All right. So get, let's get away from metal or whatever. What were you listening to in 2012? All right. So some of the bands I was listening to in 2012, uh, Band of Horses, Freelance Whales of Montreal. The Heavy's a really good one. I think much of what sell, I think much of what separates them from alternative, as I was saying, it's exposure. <laughs> it's that unknown yeah, and people yeah, trying to yeah. figure out where they fit and um, to target as potential listeners. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you are wrapped up in your own head and your own, you're wrapped up in your own patterns you won't break out of them to listen to something new and the alternative label it, it's been hijacked by this new rock that's out uh, alternative used to be this all-encompassing genre much like how we use metal and punk before it got hijacked by what we might call hardcore punk loud fast guitars and screaming punk used to be the term applied to something that was just against the norm it didn't fit as time went by everyone got used to the idea and that could be where all the divergence happens, like with the metal tree. And <laughs> back to prejudging, when okay. I first heard yeah, certain yeah. names like Lana Del Rey and Grimes, I avoided them. Why? They get lumped in with pop. And I was falsely lumping them into the Disney conglomerate or Princess, the princesses. The princesses. As, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the princesses. I, I wouldn't say I'm running out to buy their albums, but I can't say I really hated them, at least the ones that they put out in 2012. No, I think that's rightfully prejudged by you only because all of the female artists that kind of were the predecessors popular in the charts were those Disney princesses, your Britney's, the Christina's, yeah. uh, you know, and so on. I, I tried to get in Atlanta Del Rey. But she, honestly, she's kind of too depressing for me. <laughs> I, there's something about her tone that I'm just kind of like, I, I, I want to make her a cup of tea and sit her down and give her some counseling. <laughs> With a nice warm blanket. Uh, yeah. I think you need to be in the right place in life to enjoy music as moody as her sometimes. I just, I wasn't connected. I feel a little guilty though when it comes to Grimes. And I have to admit, I totally judged her by her name and look. This week, I, I, I had might be that kind of get off my lawn kind of guy, you know, <laughs> looking at her there. Yes. But then I had this completely different idea in my head of her music and what it would sound like until I finally consciously played her music for the first time. And you know what, Matt, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it either. I'm, I'm going to yeah. say that, but I definitely had a conscious shift and realized I had fabricated her sound based upon a name and picture. 
Yes. And going forward, when we see more releases by her, we'll kind of figure out if this is the anomaly or more of the norm, or if as we listen to more, we'll go, oh, you're just doing this thing. Yeah. And, you know, and say, ah, we prejudged correctly. (laughs) Get out of my library. (laughs) And we have this trend where we are noticing that in many cases, it's the women who are forging ahead with changing the sound of popular music. It feels like men get stuck or I'm just not aware of something that's going on. But men definitely seem to stick more into uh, traditional molds. Okay, so at the start of this episode, Matt, without the rants going on, you said you had some attachment to the music from this year. But I'm starting to think maybe you're full of shit. So, oh you know, no, I've you, mentioned a few. You, you've ran- for- yeah, well, so you've ranted, you've ranted about pop music and core music, and like, come on, I know you like that indie folk rock. What else were you oh, yeah. listening to in 2012? Um, Doctor Dog. They are definitely one of the most um, original bands that I've heard in a long time. Uh Andrew Bird, such a talented guy with, and it's going to sound weird uh, because whistling probably annoys certain people, but that dude can whistle like no other (laughs) and play play the violin amazingly. He's incredibly talented. He does a lot of, um, you can see plenty of clips of him on YouTube uh, where he will do the whole sampling thing and just create a whole song on his own, you know, you know, play the different parts, sample and build it up. He's really good at that. Uh, Van Halen, surprisingly, uh, band of skulls, dandy Warhols. There's a blast from the past. Oh yeah. Um, and the Avett brothers. I'm surprised that you, you were a fan of this. You said Van Halen, you slipped that right in there. I did. Uh, I did. Is this a super fan moment from your leftover teen years? Um, it could be, but I, this is a really good album. They reworked a bunch of older demos. So it's got some older Van Halen style and Eddie has more of his earlier sound, but a different kind of truth. It's a good, it's a really good, solid Van Halen album. The song She's a Woman, even without Michael Anthony, has a signature harmony in the chorus. And it makes me realize that it wasn't just all Michael Anthony having adding that layer to their song. The solo in that song is classic. Eddie, Dave's voice, it's older, obviously. He's got that slurring of the S's you can hear <laughs> in older singers. And uh, I, I don't think people realize how important David Lee Roth was when it came to writing the melodies on their earlier albums yeah the slurring s's we don't do that when we've had some beers on this show so yeah (laughs) but but okay Uh, that's awesome skimming over the music that was popular in 2012 we can't you know go past psy and gunham style you know we can we don't have to talk about it (laughs) (laughs) you know say say what you want about it but he was the musical cultural phenom of 2012 (laughs) global number one it's a dance craze yeah he opened the door for k-pop to go global it's interesting to me but it, it it could have been dismissed as another macarena it probably should be, but instead Korean <laughs> pop groups are hitting number one in foreign markets. Yeah, I agree. And I, I won't add anything to that. Like Thank it or you. not, that song exploded. <laughs> yeah. My kids were probably more into the making fun of it crowd. At least I hope that's what they were. <laughs> and they get that from me, you know. <laughs> I heard a lot of Macklemore too. I couldn't escape that. Thrift Shop, it's a pretty good song. I'm going to think gonna your take- grandpa style. <laughs> Oh, you beat me to it. (laughs) (laughs) I think Max had his first I'm getting older moment. Um, You you know where you realize how fast time can slip by? When I mentioned Macklemore was out this year, he was like, no way. 
Yeah, that's 10 years ago, big boy. It <laughs> happens fast. <laughs> and then there was also Flo Rida. That is nothing I can could or can still <laughs> listen to today. <laughs> I did not I did not jive to that. Uh fun, some nights. Yeah. They had a lot of hits off that album. Carry on. We are young. Uh, Bruno Mars, unorthodox jukebox. Good album. Um, oh yeah, full hits. Young girls, locked yeah, out of heaven. Yeah, when yeah. I was your man. Kendrick Lamar, good kid, mad city. There's a name that will probably pop up more in some of these later two thousands. I didn't hear it when it came out, but uh, I th think it's because my kids didn't reach out to it until later on. My kids have the vinyl hanging on the wall. They are definitely Kendrick Lamar fans. Uh, I asked Max what the bangers were on that record. He chuckled. I, I don't think banger is a word I'm supposed to use. <laughs> or maybe it was just unexpected or he uh -oh. knows my sense of humor. Like I'm being that guy, uh, but bitch don't kill my vibe. Poetic justice. He, he may have named every song off that album. He really likes it a lot. I have to admit, I understood why he's so well liked. There were funk elements like parliament funkadelic and it had the creativity of Outcast. Yeah, this album is going to be something I'm going to revisit. I've got to actually admit to you right now, I don't hate Taylor Swift, and I've got some respect for her albums in other years. Wow, what a change of direction. But, but I'm definitely <laughs> not in her demographic. When I looked back at this album, I wasn't interested in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> no, and... That's going to probably be a familiar theme where we feel locked out of certain artists or genres of music where, yeah, we, we aren't the target demographic. So we, we have to accept that. And maybe the record label should too. They should want every demographic <laughs> sell to everybody. Um, and another demographic that probably wants us to be in there, but neither of us really care to go back to is country. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll save that for when we get back to the seventies. Um, I did listen to the Dirk Bentley album because every year, you know, I try to listen to a few albums that will push my boundaries. He didn't push it in a positive direction. <laughs> um, and I realized how, but I did realize how similar this kind of music is to eighties hair metal. There's a lot of talking about having a good time. I'll just take the hair metal. Well, stepping back to Kendrick and Taylor, and the reason why I pulled those together is because they were the two biggest albums of that year. And that's the reason why. So okay. th they were both massive. So that was the reason why I swung the door one way and then swung it the <laughs> other. But then bringing it all the way around to country music, I checked out the Zach Brown Band album in 2012. There's a lot of production going on and, and he swings in and out of a few styles. The first song sounded like a Jimmy Buffett, Jack Johnson island disney song but i lost interest pretty quickly so yeah i don't think we'll have much opinion on country music in our adult years i think the 70s and 80s stuff is where we're going to find its impact on our lives agreed no more country talk until it matters no let's just nip uh, that right in the bud yes definitely this was more of an episode to get things off our chest so let's shift our focus to our favorite songs of 2012 Sounds like a good time to get into our five songs. Yeah, let's do that. Let's go there. So 2012, I do believe you were the one who said, I'm going to take us 10 years into the future, Ooh. which means you get to go first. So what's your first song from 2012? Okay. My first one is Brandy Carlisle, Hard Way Home. I'm not really a Brandy Carlisle fan, but when I hear the song, I usually hit repeat. 
it starts with the voice that sounded like a train whistle, which is fitting for a song about being a restless spirit in it. Yeah. And realizing the mistakes you made along the way. I really connect with this song. I feel like I've drifted a lot early in my life and I just kind of went with the flow and dealt with what came next instead of taking control. That can lead to making mistakes, missed opportunities and regrets and all that happy bullshit. (laughs) Uh, But this song's got great instrumentation and the performance, strong melody. Brandy's got an excellent voice. Yeah, she's a great singer. She's actually an artist that I only discovered maybe a couple of years ago because of the pandemic and some of the stuff she was putting out cover songs but it was really good to go back and hear this and hear the stuff she was putting out a little earlier in her career because we don't really get her much over here i think she's one of those people that i look at and i think her name is going to be country music and then i hear this kind of like really growly blues country rock Mm -hmm. and roll sound that comes out of her that's very unique and great so Good, good first song for 2012, and unlike a lot of the other music from the year. <laughs> All right, thanks. So, what is your first song? Uh, my first song is going to be The Killers. We didn't talk about the album they released from this year, and the song is Runaways. Brandon Flowers was going through a big Dire Straits phase when he wrote this, and you can tell when you listen to it. It had a real life storytelling feel going on. Springsteen is also a fan of his. <laughs> he likes the Killers. He's gotten up on stage with them and f- they perform together. There's stuff on YouTube you can look up and you can see Springsteen and the Killers on stage doing stuff. The only difference between Flowers and the other two, Mark Knopfler and Springsteen, is that he can sing. He's got this yeah, really yeah great voice that's in tune with everything going on. Those guys are telling stories and great songs and everything that they and everything that they do. But Brandon Flowers has a made-for-radio-pop voice, and I think maybe that distracts it from seeming like an everyman's story. But when you dig into the lyrics of the song, it's really fantastic. Yes, it is. I'm kind of glad you brought The Killers because we haven't had a good chance to talk about them yet. Uh, but The Killers, I like what they do. It's it's their own thing blended with uh, sounds from the past. Yeah, yeah. They're a great band. Yeah. All right, that's my first song. What's your second one? I'm going to go with The View and How Long. If this was a cassette in 2012, I would have worn it out. It's a perfect (laughs) song to open up an album. Great intro. It sets the tone for what this album is going to be. I hate those albums that start with a banger only to have the rest fall flat. It's just a perfect setup. I like being able to hear accents and music too. This is a great sing-along song. I think because I'm living here, we might have a few Scottish bands show up on this playlist. (laughs) And and you can bring them first. That's great. You are the first person to bring a Scottish band to the playlist. Fantastic. I don't know how that happens, <laughs> but, but it's a great song. And I can understand why you would have worn the cassette out. Kyle Falconer, he's a great songwriter. When I was in retail, I had the privilege of The View launching an album with a live performance in the store next to mine. Oh, wow. I could hear the entire performance through the wall as clear as day. It was amazing. It was awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds cool. All right. What is your next song? My next song is probably one of the most interesting covers I've ever heard. It's Poolside, Harvest Moon. Poolside's like a DJ act. Talking about like genre shifting. I had a random shuffle on one day and I found myself humming along to this. And all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute. I, I, I consider myself a pretty big Neil Young fan. 
but I was fooled by this song because I, I heard this melody and this thing going on. I was like, I know what this is, but what is it? I've even learned how to play this on guitar and I've played it live in front of people, but switching to the house beats and electronica sounds took me to a different place until I realized exactly where I was. That makes it a good cover. It doesn't enhance or diminish the original. It just takes it to another space and it breathes a new life into there. If I hadn't read if we hadn't talked about this song before I heard it, it probably would have taken me a while to realize what exactly I was listening to. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was, uh, this is a really good take on a great song. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Very unexpected take. I never would have thought to uh, get this peanut butter and the chocolate together. Come on. How many Neil Young songs do you hear mashed up by a DJ somewhere? It doesn't probably really happen. The, no. Yeah, but the, but this works. They did a great yeah, job. Yeah, it does. It. Yeah. Yep, completely. All right, what's your next song? Uh, my next is "Said the Whale," "Loveless." This is I love this band so much. Uh, this won't be the last time. Yeah, I have a song in my five. Uh, this was the first song I heard by them, though. It's very unique lyrics and phrasing. It's a happy love song. How can I love you less now that I know you more? It's a great line, and I think everyone wants to feel that way about the relationship. Ah, oh, it's got great harmonies. And then on the bridge, I love when that split vocal comes in between the male and the female voice. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's a great little pop song. It's that, Like you said, the, those two distinct parts, they connect beautifully. Yeah, they do. The, the voices blend. Um, it's got a great video, too, of two kids playing the part of the adults um, all through the video. And even as their kids get older, they stay the same age. Love can keep you young at heart. It's uh, I, I really love this song a lot. Yeah, you sent me the video for this this week and watching it, it was one of those things that was like, whoa, I'm kind what of, is this? Uh, yeah, I'm emotional watching this. It's really, it's intense. Yeah. It's great. So good stuff. I, I might steal some of their songs from you. I got dibs. No stealing. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> you said you have more to come. All right, Jim, what's your third song? Uh, my third song is Calvin Harris Feels So Close. You talked about what Max thought of it coming out of your mouth. People probably think it's funny to hear me use the term dance floor banger come out of my mouth, <laughs> but that's what this song is. It's part house music. It's part pop song with all the elements needed to put people jumping up and down in a club. Calvin Harris is Scottish. So here I am. You had the view first, but I've got the next Scottish guy. <laughs> and this was all over the place in 2012. I liked it so much. I even worked out a little acoustic version myself one night when I was bored. <laughs> it's one of those things where, wait a minute, can I work out the song opposite this way? And I went and tried to do that. It was good. It was fun. I know this song it, would work well that way. Yeah. It, it'd be great to go out to a club and do this. It might be a little too pop for some people, but this is a cool song. It's fine by me. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good song. It is definitely a banger. Yeah. You can, yeah, it's got that boom, boom, boom. You can just see people bouncing on the dance floor to it. Yeah, you can. Sorry <laughs> for using one. your term, young people. <laughs> banger. Banger. And mashed. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your next song? I'm going to go with Band of Skulls, Sweet Sour. Same yeah. with The View. I would have worn a cassette of this completely out. One of my favorite bands in the 2000s. Even my kids like this song. And back to Said the Whale, Band of Skulls, speaking of voices that just blend perfectly together. 
I wish more bands shared those kind of lead vocal duties too. My favorite songs by Band of Skulls are when Emma Richardson is singing the lead. The songs just take on a completely different light when she's the one doing the singing. She reminds me a little bit of Jeanette from uh, Concrete Blonde. Sweet Sour, it does plot along a little bit. You're not going to dance to it, but it's powerful with plenty of buildup, pull down, build up again. It's got good dynamics. Yeah, this is a great lead song on an album. And I hope when they toured, they open with this song. It'd be perfect. Yeah, it'd be awesome to start this way on a show. The intro that I'm talking about is the theme throughout the song, but the way it demands your attention right at the start is awesome. And then the bridge over the distorted guitar leads as it goes out at the end of the song, it's just awesome. It leads so well to the last chorus. All right. What is your fourth song? My fourth song, I, I talked about them earlier, is Deftones' Swerve City. I remember the song when I was searching through the music, so I obviously picked them up in 2012 somehow. I'll probably regret putting it on the playlist at some point. It might not really <laughs> kind of fit in with what's going on, but it's different and will probably get somebody's attention on the shuffle. What I like about them is that they never compromise their sound. This still sounds like the Deftones in the 90s, and I got a lot of respect for that. Yeah, this is definitely going to stand out in the playlist, but in a good way. It's It will take people uh, off notice and make them pay attention because the Deftones got plenty of fans. Yeah, they do. Or they might yep. skip to the next song. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, eventually you're going to find one you like. Yeah, you you will. <laughs> We've got some coming, yeah. at least, oh, yeah. you know, at some point. <laughs> All right, what's your last song from 2012? My fifth song is going to be The Shins, Simple Song. I was really getting into my feelings with The Five this week. It, yeah, this, yeah. Is a, this is a joyful love song. It's not an emo-ish love song. On the surface, it is a simple song. It's just got this powerful restated melody some, similar to Sweet Sour um, with plenty of layers played with strength. James Mercer wrote it shortly after getting married and expecting a child. Great lyrics, professing his love and how much her love means to him. So love songs, there's always room for it. And this one did remind me a little bit of the Beatles, What You're Doing. So, and I got I got a certain soft spot in my heart for that song. So it fit nicely in there. Yeah, th this is heavy metal for the shins. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> it, upbeat lyrics and an upbeat song with a lot of layers. It has rock and drums that stay busy through the entire song. <laughs> but I, I, I like the Brian Wilson-esque falsetto. I, I only really ever knew new slang, so it was nice to hear them do something that sounded like everything was right up front in the song. I like yep. that. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. Thanks. All right. What is your last song? Well, my last song is going to be... I, I probably pop guru guy Jim is going to be slightly embarrassed from time to time. <laughs> he has entered the house. The song is the script hall of fame Throw your tomatoes. Now <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually mildly embarrassed to bring this to the playlist, but I need it here because here's the thing. This song is what I was listening to in retail when I was motivating myself and my staff to take our store from the bottom to the top of our region. Honestly, Matt in 2013, the store theme song was Drake started from the bottom. So oh. <laughs> yeah. don't worry. I didn't make my store listen to the script, but I did believe in projecting feelings in oneself to achieve greater goals. And this is the song 
that was in my headphones before I'd go into work. And I envisioned being celebrated for the success that I get in my job. It's cheesy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But come on, look, look at who you're talking to. This is me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely a gym song. Um, the script. I heard this song so much. It was played at sporting events on warm up because <laughs> warm up CDs for my kids. Um, but it's a good sing along song at the same time. Yeah, it is yeah. a good. It's a good. It is a good pump up song, and you need those in life. Yeah, you definitely do. You so need, I'm not going to bang on you for it. Nah, you need your your fight songs. You know the songs you're going to yes. go out and definitely uh, you know take the world on with. So yeah. there we go. That is the take your motivation where you can find it. Yeah, because fight songs are what you need in life if you're going to try to, you know, face any kind of adversity, anything going on. And they might be cheesy, and that's okay. If it motivates you to celebrate success in the future, then good for picking it up. Am I going to go back and listen to Hall of Fame now? Really? Well, maybe on the playlist, I'll be happy it's there and it'll bring back a good memory. I hope somebody else out there enjoys it. Yeah. yeah. It, hey, that's why music is blasting at parties and bars. Yeah, exactly. It, it's just on shuffle. Let it go by, you know? Yes. <laughs> All right. So that is the end of 2012 for us. It was almost the end of the world too. It was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, yeah. It was the Mayans or the Incas thought it was going to be, or at least <laughs> yeah. John Cusack told us it wasn't a movie. Yes. So at the end of the episode is when we like to unveil the next year. And Jim, it is your turn to put us in the time machine and see where we go next. What do you got for us? All right. Well, I'm going to take us back to a year that might be a little more fun for us than 2012. We've talked about digging. We were in 2002. We went a little ahead in the future. Let's just get right out of here and go back to (laughs) 1993. That's where we need to wind up. Oh, thank you. I'm going to enjoy visiting the 90s. Yeah, we need to do that. We need to do that right now. So 1993 is where we're going to head. And I think we will find music there that we were both really just living our lives by. Yeah, I I think so. I think there's going to be um, times where this is probably coming out of a little bit of a shared existence that we had at the time. Maybe a year too late. No, we. Where... I, I think in 1993, we were still kicking around each other's lives. In 1993, yeah. you were the bass player that actually played with me for the very first time I went out and played live original music. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh my so, God, how yeah. easy it is to forget. But yeah, so, so it'll be good to see uh, what shared uh, songs that we have. I'm sure there was some stuff that I was like, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Fantastic. So I'm looking forward to it. Why don't you close us out then? All right. want to thank everybody for tuning into the GM Yearbook again for this version 2012. And we will see you here next time for version 1993. Thank you, Jim. Always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, looking forward to it. Check out our Facebook group page. Give us a vote. Check out our playlist on Spotify. Give us a like, add some songs if you want on the Facebook group page. That's what it's all about. Year by year, we're having a good time. Matt, until I see you next week, peace, love, and podcasts.